Hello and welcome to episode one of this brand new podcast entitled My Life in Music with me, Joe Scully. In this podcast, I talk to musicians about their lives in music and discuss how they got involved in the business. We also discuss their careers and who their biggest influences were as they made their way in the music business. I also asked them how it feels like to play in front of a live audience and if they ever get nervous and if they do, how do they deal with the nerves. We also discussed their lives away from music and what to get up to and what they would have been if they weren't musicians. Also, in every episode, the guests give us their top five albums of all time and the top five artist bands of all time. We also discuss what the future holds for the guests and we find out what their favourite gig they have been to as a fan. Of course, if you like what you are hearing, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can also find us on both Twitter and Instagram under the name My Life in Music Pod, where you will get all the latest news on every new episode and when it will be released. You can also contact the podcast by email, where you can reach us at mylifeinmusicpod at gmail.com. My very first guest on the podcast is the extremely talented singer-songwriter Fiat Moriarty. I would highly recommend checking out Fiat's music wherever it is you listen to your music, as he is definitely one of Ireland's top talents and a real hidden gem. Also, his 2018 single, Everything Will Rhyme, is well worth checking out. You can also check Fiat out via his website, fiatmusic.com. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. And my first guest on the show is this talented singer-songwriter who Damien Dempsey said he has a beautiful voice, he's a great guitarist, honest, heartwarming lyrics that are visual and paint pictures that take you somewhere and teach you things, sublime melodies and an amazing life performer. He should be huge all around the world. And Paul Brady said of him, he's one of Ireland's most talented singer-songwriters with a musical sophistication rare in the genre. He is the wonderful and talented Fiat Mariatri. You're very welcome to the show, Fiat. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Pleasure to speak to you today on this uh, wet and dreary Tuesday morning. Too bad here now, but it sure. must be great when you have talent with musicians like that, saying stuff about you like that. must be fairly yeah. common. Yeah, it's very nice. <clears throat> kind of, um, yeah, yeah, it makes it, it makes me not question uh, doing music full time when uh, when things are this tough at the moment for musicians, but uh, yeah, no, it's very nice to. Yeah, it must, must be very hard at the moment with everything going on, from, especially for musicians, like no gigging or anything like that, which is well, the lifeblood of the industry. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I I, <clears throat> I work on the Late Late Show as well, so uh, I play with the house band. And, uh, we, you know, we've been off air. The house band has been off since the 5th of March last year. We did the toy show and one of the country gigs, but that was it, yeah. So it's, mm. you know, that's a good bread and butter gig, uh, which is <laughs> important as a musician. But, uh, yeah, look... Uh, on the plus side, it's it's given us time to reflect and create art, and uh, for me personally, to just write more. And um, uh, you know, there there are pluses to it, but uh, I think it's it's gone on so long now that everyone has kind of that the novelty wore off a while ago. And, yeah, uh, we're just hoping, we're just watching the numbers every day and hoping they keep coming down. Everyone keeps getting yeah. vaccinated, numbers keep going up. You know, yes. So starting when you were young and how you got into music, I believe at the age of five you learned to play the violin in school, didn't you? How was that? How did that come about? So young, like there was a there was a there was a young German kid. I don't know that he lived here, 
or did he come over here in the summers or something? But he used to, this German kid, he was probably about eight. And he used to stand on Grafton Street playing the violin. His mother used to stand behind him. I'm sure some people listening might remember this, but he was, I mean, I thought it was amazing. And I just went, I remember looking at him saying, I, I want to do that, you know. And my mother, uh, is musical, she plays piano. So she encouraged it, you know. And um, my teacher in school, her boyfriend at the time was, uh, you know, he's a musician and he still is a gigging musician. So he, he started doing lessons in the school, you know. So um, it just kind of came quite naturally i started on a 16th size which is just the tiniest violin you can imagine i was i was really <laughs> still am small but um yeah so yeah i just I, I just went head first and playing trad and then when i got older i did a couple of years classical didn't really like it um found it too strict and rigid so i went back to playing trad and then when i was 12 i i, I really discovered nirvana for the first time and all bets were off. I needed the guitar in my hand. I needed to to have that power of the guitar and just in the air nirvana just blew my mind. So yeah. Yeah. that's when you got your first carol since your twelfth birthday and that's when you started writing songs, was it of yourself on. How do you find writing songs? Was it always easy for you or just I look I, I it's easy for me to write a song, but it's not easy for me to write a good song, you know. But um it's a bit like muscle memory songwriting. You just kind of, you got to keep doing it. Um, and uh, it's like, a, it's like a, like a dart player throwing darts at a dart board, you know, you, you just, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And you'll always have a few songs cooking anyway in the background in your head, you know, but um, yeah, I, I start writing songs really as soon as I picked up the guitar, as soon as I could figure out a few chords. Uh, I had a cousin who showed me a few bits, uh, he plays guitar and an uncle as well. And I mean, my, I'm lucky that my, my mother's family are quite, they're all quite musical. So it was a bit of a heritage to, to draw from there. And then, yeah, just, I, I mean, as long as I can remember, could, can remember, I was always making up little tunes anyway, little songs in my head. So once I had a guitar, I had, I was able to back myself, you know? So, um, yeah, it, 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 the songwriting came easy. Um, and then obviously the more I dove into it, the more, you know, the deeper I got into songwriting and structures and all that, you know, so it's a, it, is a, it is a world that keeps on uh, giving songwriting, you know. Being a singer-songwriter, I suppose, as a musician, you look at, from the outside, you look at musicians and you think they all, they all have a great lifestyle, but I suppose it's not as heavy glamorous, especially for a singer-songwriter, because it's kind of tired, isn't it, like, because you're relying on stuff to be go right for you the whole time, and probably not as glamorous as it looks from the outside, is it? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, and, and as an independent musician, you, uh, as an independent singer songwriter, I mean, I was the, the I was kind of the master of my own destiny. I had no label or anything like that to help me. Um, I had a manager for a while, but I mean, it was my art. I was I was always very picky about uh, how I presented it and who I worked with, and um, but then with that, I you know, I kind of had to organise everything and still do, which is. Which is great, but just that, that's a lot of the work that goes on in the background, you know. And what you see is the gig and the points afterwards and the crack and all that, but yeah. uh, there's a lot of work that goes on. Obviously, you've already mentioned that Nirvana were a big influence on you. Was there any other bands that would have influenced you growing up? 
Nirvana and the Beatles, they're the two big ones, really. I mean, the Beatles were <clears throat> in, in my life from a young age, uh, and John Lennon and um, solo stuff as well. Um, so they were the two big bands that really just picked my ear and, and held it, you know. And um, I guess uh, both were quite melodic bands, really, you know. that so, so McCartney would be my kind of one of my songwriting heroes and he's probably my favourite Beatle just because his melodies are just so beautiful, you know. Um, but yeah, they were the two big ones. But like, we had a lot of influence at home. We were, we were, you know, there was a lot of, uh, my mother would listen to classical stuff because she played piano, so she was learning classical pieces. And then there was a lot of Maura O'Connell and Christy Moore and Dolores Keane, Furies and Dubliners and a lot of Irish stuff. So, um, Big eclectic mix in the house, all right. Um, but yeah, and then my sister was listening to Madonna in the eighties and <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany and stuff like that. So that stuff seeps in as well. Yeah, very good. You've released two studio albums. One saw so I in two thousand and ten, which peaked at number sixty-two in the Irish charts, and the Revolution in two thousand and fifteen. The two thousand and fifteen Revolution that was a kind of political album, wasn't it? And Read with Easter Rising in 1916 and World War One a bit, didn't it? And of course, this was number so I in 2010. That was more of a personal album, was it? You said before, yeah. Like, I mean, I think I was 27 when So I came out, so you know, you're kind of those songs are going around in your head for years, and then then you know, your second album, you have only a couple of years to, to record it, so uh, those songs were written quicker for the second album, but I think they were, I think it's a better album, I think they were. They're more informed and uh, just it's 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 um, we took a lot of time on that album working on like drum patterns so it's a kind of a denser album I think and obviously the subject matter is denser as well so um, it's it's I mean it's a little bit political but it's more um, like the Mill Street Bridge is just me it's just a historical story I guess if there's a political edge it's it's an anti-war song because it's from the point of view of a, of an English soldier who ends up in Dublin in 1916. Uh, and, of course, he, you know, he hasn't a clue about politics, mm. uh, which is kind of the crack with most wars, that just the cannon fodder are the working-class kids who don't know what they're doing. Sure, I mean, I remember as a kid going up the north and he'd be stopped at the checkpoint by a Scottish or an English kid, 18-year-old, who hadn't a clue about the the complex uh, troubles. Yeah. Just put into it and made deal with the consequences as well, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, well, they're the ones in the direct firing line. That's yeah. not to say I'm supporting the British Army. For <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, part of that song, Mount Street Bridge, was, well, it's an anti-war song, but it's an anti, it's a really anti-World War One song because that was the stupidest war of all time. I mean, it was such a pointless war, you know, and everybody got, everyone in Ireland got, dragged into it because we thought we'd get home rule and uh but you know like most wars they're just well a lot of wars are pointless yeah basically that's what you're still happening i suppose mentioned already about the late late short band how did that come about for you and can you tell more about it uh i i i started that in nine uh 2019 uh so september 2019 and by March 2020, I, I was gone. <laughs> coronavirus. Now, hopefully, we'll be back in September. Please God. But um, uh, uh, Paddy Cullivan, who 
was the singer and guitarist in the band is a friend of mine and he um he just was moving on paddy actually is is would have a lot of similar interests to me he writes um shows songs uh based on history so he's got one about wolf tone at the moment i think um so uh, paddy was just moving on uh he'd done it for 10 years and he wanted to concentrate more on um on writing his shows and i think he, he works with um uh, Oliver Callan as well so he does some comedy writing too but um so yeah he just rang me and he said look would you be interested in this gig and I said geez, I, I jumped at the chance you know um, and it's nerve-wracking as well because it's straight in the deep end no rehearsal with the band none of that it's just here's a few songs and here's the here's the people that are on the show tonight and the, here's what we're singing 10 second intros <laughs> it's a different gig but it's very enjoyable I really yeah. enjoy it You've recorded with a few artists over the time, the likes of Declan O'Rourke, Damien Dempsey, Una Healy, Paddy Maloney, Frank Kennedy, Duke Special, Harry Connor Jr., Mundy and that, and Marty Fellows, the wet, wet, wet. Who would say you'd be favourite of all time with recording with? Oh, I actually really enjoyed playing with Marty Fellow, actually. That was great, crack. Um, that was for the Valentine's special on the Late Late Show. Um, and it was just... Brilliant. Everybody was just in great form. Uh, with Declan O'Rourke, I, I mean, I toured with Declan for years, supporting him, opening up for him, and uh, I played as part of his band for a while when he released his tour album, Magpie's Eye, uh, which is a cracker of an album. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I would probably know Declan musically better than any of the other people I played with because, uh, you know, we played played together so often um but yeah everyone has their own everyone has their own kind of frequency you know um everyone has their own vibe i've enjoyed playing with them all i mean a lot of those people that you mentioned uh i played with on a tv show called jingle jangle yeah. that i was hosting with uh jim lockhart and fake no brain on we went around on a barge around um on the royal canal it was the 200th anniversary of the the opening of the royal canal so so we, we travelled, uh, it's 46 locks on that thing. You have to pull it, you have to open them and close them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we kind of stopped off at different points and we, we, we met, you know, Una and Mundy and Jackel and, all, you know, all the other people you mentioned. Um, so it was great, yeah. Uh, and I would have played, I would have gigged with Mundy here and there over the years. Uh, so um, I think, I think at that for that show, the ones that I was starstruck with was uh, Paddy Maloney and John Sheehan because these were just, these are total legends to me. I mean, you know, the likes of, the likes of Mundy and that are, are kind of not that much older than me. You know, maybe Mundy's maybe 10 years older than me. And, I, you know, since I was probably starting to gig, you know, Mundy would have been knocking around Dublin and, you know, you'd bump into each other at sessions. But Paddy Maloney and John Sheehan, they're... Like when I was a kid, they were legends. You know, they were old men when I was a kid. It felt like, and uh, they were, they were, they had already achieved legendary status. And like, even Paddy was telling us stories that he was, he was with Paul McCartney the day John Lennon was shot. He was in studio. Right. With, yeah. He just tell us. Yeah. He just brought that into a conversation. And oh my god. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and there's actually a photograph of. McCartney with Paddy Maloney. Paddy's holding his pipes in his hand, you know. Right. 
and it was I think I think McCartney got the news and he just went oh look I'm just going into the studio to clear my head and get oh. to work and Paddy was with him yeah so and obviously John Sheehan telling us stories about Luke Kelly and Bernie McKenna and yeah so that they 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 they're two that that really I was kind of pinching myself playing with you know you also play with all that the Trad Fusion group with guitarists. How what, how do you find that compared to like the solo artists? Much different, or how do you find it? Oh, it's very very different. Yeah, but Aldock is very different from most things. Aldock is a quite a unique band, uh, and I just I absolutely love playing with Aldock and um, <clears throat> Alan Doherty is the lead singer and flautist and whistler uh, is just a genius. He was just so he's just such a good player and. Great, just really musical. So I, I was, um, I was asked to join Aldock in 2016, and uh, Christoph Van der Veer, who was the guitarist, he was going off to play and tour with a band called Bears Den, were a great band as well. But um, so they needed somebody to fill the gap. So uh, I was pals with Jerry Paul, the other guitarist, who uh, who's a Kiwi uh, Irishman and a funny man. Anyone who Anyone who knows him will attest to that. And he just said, look, would you be interested? He, we kind of knew each other from just gigging and that, you know. And he said, do you play electric? And I said, yeah, of course I play electric. Uh, um, and I probably wasn't playing electric that much at all at that stage. But, of course, you know, when you're offered a gig, you just take Especially a gig like that. And, and I had seen them a year before in Doolin. So I played Doolin Festival in 2015. Uh, so I was like, I was forced on on the main stage and they were last on they were headliners and I just I just, I just thought they were amazing you know I loved them and then a year later I was on stage headlining with them at the Dillon Festival so uh, it was just a blast like we did we did a little six six date tour which finished in Paris and it was in the middle of the Euro 2016 Awesome Bell X1 outdoor gig so and then you know we've, we've gigged ever since we toured Germany and um we put out a, we put out a single last year, kind of not long into lockdown, called Distance, which was all about all about the lockdown and and, and the virus and all. And uh, a guy called Pat Dively is is kind of doing voiceover, uh, motivational speaking over. It's but but yeah, Aldock is just Aldock is just such a fun band, and it's a it's a real festival band, a real party band. Um, but funny that 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 first tour in twenty sixteen, I nearly didn't make because. Um, about three weeks before it started, I was struck down in my prime with chickenpox that I got from my one-year-old daughter. Because uh, I remember asking my, my one-year-old had uh, she was she's six now, and um, she had it at the time. And I said to my my parents, "Did I ever have chickenpox?" And they were like, "I can't remember. I don't I don't think you did, but I can't remember." So anyway, I, I just hoped and presumed I had had it at some stage, and then. Then I got it, and what age was it then? Twenty six. I was thirty four. Not a not a good age to get oh, chicken pox. It was pretty horrendous. Now I have to say, but but I even at the start of the tour, I kind of had scabs all over my face. I was wearing <laughs> I was wearing caps and all to try and cover up the the mm. remnants of the chicken pox. It was pretty rough, but um, glad I made it anyway. And the lads were saying we can get someone to cover, and I was like, no, no not, not, not losing this gig because you know I knew it would be a good gig, but thankfully I made it anyway. Yeah, yeah Aldock is Aldock is just 
just Alloc excites me as a as a as a musical entity. It always does, and it always will. There's just so much possibilities, and uh, if you li- if you listen to the stuff, it's it's trad, it's funk, it's hip hop, it's bit of jazz. It's yeah, it's just it's just a fun band. I love it. Very good, very good. So, what what does music mean to you? Like you know, as a person, like is it everything to you? Or what else? Anything else? Like. In your life as well, if you're not in music, if you're not like playing your music, what else entertains you? What else do you do to keep yourself busy? Well, I, I, I kick, I'd kick a ball all day long. I'd kick a ball against the wall. I'd, I'd hit, I'd beat a slitter off a wall with a hoardy, um all day long. Um, I love playing with a five side. And before I, I live in Carlow now. Before I left Dublin, I, I was playing hurling, you know, competitively. Um, but so so we'd still play a bit of five aside down here, but sure that hasn't happened in months, you know. But I find sport is good for my head and uh you know, obviously to keep fit physically, but just it's good to get out and be physical. So I'm doing a bit of jogging, which is good, a bit of cycling sometimes, which is actually great for ideas for songs. Um as long as I don't have the headphones in, uh, I actually come up with good ideas. Um so yeah, I guess sport. I can't watch sport anymore because uh, I realised without the crowd, it's just not. It's just that the atmosphere is missing, you know. Um, but you know, I read um, a lot of what I read ends up in in songs, especially if it's historical stuff. So I'm I'm uh, I'm reading about World War One at the moment again, which I mentioned before. My my great grandfather and his brother were both in World War One. And uh, my my great grand uncle died in World War One in Gallipoli, so I'm kind of writing stuff about that. Um, because it's kind of a it's a little bit taboo, uh, British Army stuff in Ireland, and I think at this stage we're kind of it's okay to acknowledge it and and not question our Irishness, you know. Oh, yeah. Again, you know, we were kind of duped into fighting in that war anyway. A lot of Irish people because we thought we'd get our independence out of it, but um. But yeah, reading, reading, and sport would would be the things that that I do other than music. But music is music is what is constant in my head. I, I mean, I never even if I'm if I'm playing a bit of five aside, there's a song in my head and <laughs> trying to distract me. You know, or it's so like you don't even when you're not when you're at home relaxing, you're never really switched off, are you? From the music, no, that's, it's it's the course of the songwriter or, or the musician. I think or, I'm sure it's the same in most creative. Uh, Disciplines, I'd say a, a playwright or a movie director or, or well. an actor would be going over lines or, you know, thinking of ways to, to present a character. Uh, so and, and especially anything where you're working for yourself, you know, it's, it's not like it's not like you clock in on the building site and then at five o'clock you... you job, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think in order to be successful in, in the creative world... You kind of uh, that's the deal you do with the devil is, is your head never switches off really. But I, I don't know, it doesn't bother me, it excites me, you know. If you hadn't been a musician, what do you think you would have been with your life or what you would have done with your life? Where would you have ended up? I, I, I think something uh, creative, uh, even, even maybe journalism or writing or um, photography or art, you know, anything. Anything, anything, anything that's quite variable really interests me. You know, going into a job where it's nothing's going to change, uh, but I mean that's hell for me. You know, but I mean, 
being a writer would you know there's so much possibilities it's endless it just excites me you know or maybe something to do with movies or tv or film yeah i need something creative i think though anyway yeah. Not a typical nine to five job then person anyway. No, I I just don't think I don't think I am. I'm, I'm a nightmare. Your version of Elo's Mr. Blue Sky kind of went viral a bit on TikTok, didn't it? Over sixty million views, sixty million must have views or something. It's it's something it's around sixty million at the moment, yeah. It's um yeah, it's a weird one. I I, I recorded uh I recorded that song, Mr. Blue Sky, for a charity album for the Sound Training Centre. They do a the compilation album for charity every year, just before their students graduate, their second year students. Um, so they asked me to do a song, and they want it's called Degrees of Light. That album, and uh, it's very good actually. Sole is on it, and Sarah Lou. There's some great bands on there, but um, so they, the, the the brief was they wanted upbeat songs, you know. So I said, okay, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do a version of Mr. Blue Sky, and I did the back vocals and the solo, and had great fun doing it. Spent a few hours in studio in their studio in Temple Bar doing it in Sun Studio, and um, the album came out and was well received. And then that was twenty seventeen, and then last year a friend of mine texted me saying, "Oh, this is you singing on TikTok, you know," and it was somebody in America had created a video using my version of Mr. Blue Sky. And when I looked into it, then she had four and a half million views on that video. And when I looked further into it, there was an extra one and a half thousand videos that had used the song. And at the moment, I think it's about five thousand videos that have used the song. So that, when you take all those video views together, it's I think it's a, I think it's more than sixty million now. But it just keeps growing and growing. But I'm totally, totally out of the blue. I'm where. I presume they just put in Mr. Blue Sky and used my one by accident instead of the ELO and then everyone just copied the first girl to do it. I don't know. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really do that. But, uh, yeah, but sure. um, it was a nice surprise anyway. But, uh, uh, I, I, wish, I wish it was a song I'd written because I would have got some royalties. Yeah, probably, probably yeah, yeah. I was going to get you to pick out your top five albums of all time and your top five singers or bands of all time if you don't mind if you get that with your top five albums maybe stuff number five I want yeah. to lay down yeah yeah well I won't I don't know if I can do it in order because that's a I mean, I it, would put, take, it would take me a week to try and and, and okay. I would be fighting with myself but okay. um top five albums probably uh uh well never mind by Nirvana was that, that was the album that that uh, ensured I would be a, a full-time professional musician. That was the album that just made me obsessed with music and songwriting. Um, now, there's other great albums in that kind of alternative grungy style. I think Dust by Screaming Trees is a great album. Melancholy and the Infant Sadness by Smashing Pumpkins is a, an incredible album. Uh, Tromplemond by The Pixies is another one I considered, but uh, I think Nevermind just kind of blew it all apart. And still the opening chords of Smells Like Teen Spirit gives me goosebumps. It's just such a powerful, yeah, it's just a powerful song. Um, Lithium as well, another great song. So simple, just really, really simple and heavy and beautiful melodies mixed with that heavy kind of harshness uh, and the soft and loud that, I mean, the Pixies probably did it first, but 
Cobain, I think, just nailed it, you know, especially with, with Nevermind. So, so Nevermind is my first pick. Uh, my next pick is my favourite Beatles album, and that is Abbey Road, which is just possibly my favourite album of all time. Uh, probably is, actually. It's just the second half of that album. That there's a medley in that. That's just... Each each song in the medley is about a minute long, and they could all be their own full length songs, and they'd be hits. You know, it's just, just such good songs, ridiculous songwriting, and ridiculous musicianship. There's a, there's a, there's a moment where Harrison and Lennon and McCartney all do uh, guitar solos, like they're sitting. I think they stood around each other and just traded solos, and you, you can hear it at the end of right at the end of the album, and uh, it's just it's just it's just mind blowingly good. Uh, so another one. So that's two. That's two down. Yeah. Good choices yeah, I had to make. Yeah, number three uh, is an album that I kind of knew but didn't had never really listened to. Um, I was on honeymoon in twenty fourteen in New York, and there was a musical on, and my wife said, "Oh, we got to go and see this," you know. And it was the Carol King story, and um, it was called Beautiful the Musical, and. It was actually a preview. So the following night was going to be the opening night. So we went to see the preview. So we saw the first ever show of Beautiful. And um, it just it really, it just, I, I hadn't realized how many great songs Carol King had written. And I was like, she, she wrote that one. She wrote that one as well. And just, just hit after hit. And she had her first hit when she had a, a US number one when she was 18 with uh, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? Um just an, just an incredible songwriter. So her album Tapestry for me is uh, is just full of hits. I feel the earth move. Uh, it's too late. It's too late. It's probably one of my favorite songs. Uh, the song Beautiful. Uh, I think is the, the opener on the album. It's just it's just just good. It's just just it's <laughs> it's a song a songwriter with it. Just she's got her own unique style. She's got her own craft and nailed and. Just yeah, I'm, I'm a big Carol King fan. So, so Tapestry is on the list. Tapestry makes the list. Um, I nearly picked Jailbreak by Tin Lizzy, which would it's just, that that's number six. So I have to give it a little honourable mention. Yeah. Uh, Irish album in there, but uh, it's pipped. Another actually, and sorry, another album I nearly picked was Band on the Run by Wings, which is phenomenal as well. But. Yeah. Uh, I figured that uh, McCartney's in there already, so, <laughs> oh. so I'm gonna pick. Uh, some might think this is controversial, but for me, it was it was a big album, and I got this I think on my seventh birthday, and it was a black cassette. Um, I can see it now. I forget the record label actually, but anyway, it's Bad by Michael Jackson, which is just hit after hit after hit. I think every I think every song on that album was released as a single, one way or another. I think I read that somewhere. But every song in that is just, and and Michael Jackson was kind of had that Jimi Hendrix thing where he was just like an alien. He was just so, such a tour de force and so unusual that it was just so magnetic to me as as a kid and and even still just watching how he dances and moves. He's incredible. Such a different, weird person. Yeah, different, different something on it. It's just something about him, like was. Just charisma, just natural charisma. Yeah, I mean, Elvis it, yeah. had well. Um, yeah, just this—he's just a weird guy and just a, 
an incredibly talented man. Talented, that was it, yeah. The songs are just really good. I remember hearing Quincy Jones talking about Michael Jackson's songwriting, and he probably doesn't get that much credit as a songwriter. Um, but I remember Quincy Jones just saying his imagination was incredible, and, and his imagination with production as well. And you know, he would have had a big hand in how that album was produced, and, and the, how that album sounds is, is it's just a, it's sonically a brilliant album. Um, and I don't think he ever did anything as good since. I mean, before that he did with Thriller and Off the Wall, it was brilliant. But I think after Bad, I think he released Dangerous, and yeah, it was all right, but it just wasn't to that level. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Bad, bad. That was a big one for me. And then my final pick is probably the most recent, even though it's not that recent, it's over 20 years old, but an album that is just phenomenal and still blows me away and uh, was almost, um, could tell the future and how the stuff they spoke about, and that's OK Computer by Radiohead. Brilliant. Uh, I, was, I was only thinking, uh, like, it's it's quite, it's, it's quite a... Uh, the dystopian, a lot of the, the lyrics, this is talking about dystopian future and it's the battle between humans and robots. And, and even I was in, I was in my uncle's house the other day and he was saying, okay, Google, you know, he was talking to the little Google. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, Google, play <laughs> the radio or okay, yeah, yeah. Google, turn the telly off. And I was like, this is okay, computer. This is the same. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> if you really delve into the lyrics and, and a lot of what Tom York was singing about in that album, it's, I mean, a lot of it's come true. It's kind of like a black, it's black mirror stuff, really, you know? Um, so yeah, th- those are five albums that I, that I tore my hair out trying to pick, but, <laughs> and they're five albums I just continue to come back to, you know? And yeah. there's so many, there's so many great albums out there, but they're five, I, I will I will always return to probably to the yeah. day I don't know. So. Great picks now. Great picks. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling I know when it comes to your bands and uh, our artists, I have a feeling I might know two of them now, judging by the conversation so far anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I picked, I decided to pick my favourite singers. Oh, singer. uh, my yeah. favourite favorite, favorite songwriters would be a different thing. I would, you yeah. know, obviously, Buck O'Bain and Paul McCartney. Gilbert yeah. O'Sullivan would be one of my favourite songwriters. Carol King. Um, but regarding singers, my favourite singers, uh, I have chosen five. And one of them is definitely controversial, but I don't care. <laughs> um, I remember someone asking me, what's your guilty pleasure when it comes to music? You know, something yeah. like that. And I don't have any guilty pleasures because I don't. I don't feel guilty about liking guilty, anything. Exactly. Yeah. No, if it's good, it's good. It doesn't good matter. Good. It's yeah. It doesn't matter if it's pop or, or it's cheesy or if it's Steps or S Club Seven. Well produced. I don't care. But um, my top five singers would be uh, Sam Cooke, who's just amazing. Nat King Cole, who uh, is obviously amazing and reminds me of my my grandmother she always she always loved Nat King Cole and I sang at both my grandparents funeral uh, on my mother's side I sang a Nat King Cole song uh, Aretha Franklin Aretha Franklin's probably my favourite singer of all time I just think she's she's just untouchable you know mm. there's, a, there's a there's a video of her playing um to Carol King, what was the song she uh, will, not will used to love me? Um, her big hit, the Carol King song, was uh, 
Jeez, I can't think of it. Anyway, yeah, she okay. played she played the song piano. It was only a year or so before she died. Uh, you make me feel like a natural woman. That's the yeah. one. Uh, and Carl King is up in the balcony with Barack Obama, and it's just, it's just. Rita <laughs> comes down, comes down a big four coat, playing piano and singing this, and she just nails. It. And apparently, she smoked like forty fags a day. You know, <laughs> she could still sing like. That. <laughs> yeah, and my fourth pick is Glenn Campbell. It was. Uh, uh, probably underrated as a singer, just just an amazing singer, just great great tone, uh, and definitely underrated as a guitarist. I don't think he's mentioned enough as a guitarist as he should be. Uh, one of my favourite guitarists, Glenn Campbell. But um, and then my final pick uh, is somebody that could be controversial, but I just think what she can do and the range she can hit is incredible, and that's Mariah Carey. Oh. I think she's she's amazing, and I and I. There are other singers who do all that, those trills, but I think she kind of does it in the right places and where she respects the song and she, she goes off on her little vocal solo in a little section and then she comes back to the song where some other singers do their vocal gymnastics all over the song and there's no need for it. So, yeah, I think, I think Mariah's probably uh, doesn't get the cred, street credit she deserves. Incredible singer. Yeah. But there's okay. my... There's my uh, Great choice as well for that as well. That's your question. Yeah. I'm going to ask you. You're able to play the piano, the violin, the guitar, and the mandolin. Which of them would be your favourite instrument? I can I can tinkle away at any of those, but uh-huh. obviously, like I'm a guitarist, I can play chords and piano. And I, if I'm recording, I can throw a few chords and piano down. But I wouldn't really call myself a piano player. Obviously, I played, but. I've picked the violin up again after after probably twenty years of not playing, and it's yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm nearly learning it again. But um, no, I'm a guitarist first and foremost, and and uh, obviously I, I'm, I'm most natural with a guitar now, and yeah, I I, I, I enjoy that the most, mm-hmm. and I love messing around with pedals and trying to create weird sounds, which is which works well for the Aldock stuff actually because. Haldock is very experimental, you know, so, yeah, yeah guitar all the way. You've mentioned your mother a few times in her piano playing. Would she either have much of an influence on your music music at all or anything like that? <laughs> no. no, she was always trying to teach me piano, yeah. and, and I, I just didn't want to learn because she's quite formal. Like, she's, she's, she's a, she, you know, she actually was a teacher for a while, um, and she's classically trained, uh, and I, I just rejected I didn't want anything to... to to, to do with it because it just wasn't fun to sit down with your back straight and your hands in the perfect position. I was like, no, this is school. I don't want to do school. Mm-hmm. Music is playing for me. It's fun. Yeah. So um, she she would have, uh, a lot of what she would have been listening to or, or would have even played for me would have had an influence. So she would have played Mozart and stuff like that for me. That would have influenced me. Um, yeah. But but no music writing, you know, she wouldn't have had any part in that. But I guess you know, subliminally, she would have she would have had an influence. Had been influence Same way as my through my dad's records would have had an influence. Yes. My dad's a big uh, big Pogues fan, big Dolores Keane fan. So that stuff would would have all seeped into my consciousness. You know, what would you say was the best gig you've ever been to? Ever been to? Uh, 
Wow. Would you have one? Uh, I've seen so many good gigs. Uh, I just, uh, Damien Rice was always an amazing performer for me. Just He just, oh, he just had that charisma. Uh, and then on the very other end of the spectrum, Damien Dempsey is just the opposite type of charisma. He's like the working class hero, whereas Damien Rice is the artiste, you know. Mm-hmm. But they're both brilliant live performers. Um who else have I seen? Smashing! I was at the Smashing Pumpkins gig in the Point, where that yeah. poor girl died. I'll never forget it. It was mayhem, but yeah. I mean that was a, that was a band at the peak of their powers, uh, and that musically was incredible until until it all went wrong. Went wrong yeah, tragic. Um, Rufus Wainwright was a great gig. I've seen a few times. I saw him in Vicar Street. That was that was great crack. Um, uh, I don't know. I remember. I remember being at. Declan O'Rourke's wedding, and it was in um, Inish Boffin, and it was it was in the marquee on the beach, and Paul Brady sang the island, and it was I think it was August or September, and the sun was just setting, oh. and Brady was singing the island. Brilliant! I couldn't pinpoint one particular gig. I don't think no. uh, oh, yeah. I think so many, you know, and so many great Irish. I mean, I guess most of the gigs I've ever seen are, are Irish acts, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of local stuff, even open mic nights. Sometimes you just saw you'll always have a jam or two, and uh, we're always searching for that, for that kind of nirvana, that p- pinnacle, that next yeah, yeah. level of, of yeah. magic, you know. So, what's next then for Fiat Mariachi? I know it's not not much going to happen. Maybe in the immediate future, but. Well, I'm yeah, I'm recording a new album and I'm I'm writing and recording it. I've got most of it written and I've recorded half of it, you know. So I'm kind right, of I'm, I'm kind of doing it in a in a, in a way where it's a, it's a story, so there's a thread going through it, and I'll record a song and then when I, when I have that one kind of the bones of that recorded, I'll write the next one. Um, yeah. I'm kind of trying to do it that way. I think it's going to be more organic and that will uh, the, the story will follow. It'll make more sense rather than trying to fit songs in. Oh, that would make sense to the story. So, uh, yeah, I'm quite excited about it, and I'm I'm playing a lot of the instruments on it. I'm playing mandolin, violin, piano. Um, unless it's a tricky part, and then I'll get a pal of mine. I'll send it over. But but this is the this is the thing about technology now. I don't need to go into a big studio. I have, I have a Mac. I have an interface. I've yeah, it's a nice amp and a nice guitar, and I just. Uh, keep going till I make the right sound so uh, yeah it's quite exciting and it's, it's kind of a good time you're forced uh, kind of forced into staying home and, and writing and recording yeah, so that's one good thing it's supposed to come out is it yeah if I was gigging I might I wouldn't have the you time have that, yeah. yeah as much but yeah so so that's it yeah I'm excited about that and and uh, I'll just keep going with that until it's finished you know? yeah. anyway listen thanks for coming on to the podcast it's been a pleasure to have you and I wish you all the very best for the future. And Thanks hopefully, again, hopefully your goal, career keep can use to go from strength to strength. Please, God, please, God, we have a music industry. Yeah, we have a music industry. We never know what the way things are going, do you? We're, we're creative people. Yeah, we'll figure, figure, figure something out. out. The world needs music anyway, that's for certain. The world definitely needs music, right. yeah. Whatever so uh, we, we we just keep the heads down and keep going. And hopefully... Looking away, man. I'll be back tonight and life will be normal. We can all go back to gigs again and everything.
Well, good night. Best of us. Yeah. Right, thank you very much. Thanks a million, Joe. Good right. Thank you. Of course, it was the extremely talented Fayek Mariachi. Don't forget to check out his website, fiatmusic.com, for all the latest news and music from Fiat himself. Of course, if you liked what you heard and would like to hear more of the same every week, do not forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And remember, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram, where we are at mylifeinmusicpod, and you can also email us at mylifeinmusicpod at gmail.com. Once again, a big thanks to Fiat Moriarty for being today's guest, and thanks to all those who have listened in. And I'll be back again next week with more of the same. So until then, this is Joe Scully saying goodbye.